uh, our brain and the chemicals in our brain and our life start changing and we stop really dreaming big dreams and we just start living in the past. Uh, and living, you know, and, and kind of reliving the, the old. And, I, man, I thought, man, I don't want that to happen to me. I want to go out however long I live on planet Earth. I want to be dreaming big dreams for God. Amen. I don't want to just live in the past. I don't want to expect uh, yesterday's blessing. I want to believe God for greater and better things uh, as we move into the new year and, and, and continue to press forward. Amen. Well, this morning, turn in your Bible with me. Let's see, where do we want to begin? There's a lot of places. Let's just start in John chapter 7. Turn to John chapter 7. We continue discussing what we're talking about in February, the river. Everyone say the river. It's not a movie. It's not a TV series. It is a promise from God, promise from Jesus. In John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, what does he say? And as we prepare and as our PowerPoint comes up, let's just look at this verse. Let's read it together, everyone. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. I love that. I've already quoted it to you. We've already applied it in our life in this service this morning. And then John goes on in verse 38 and says, hey, this, what he's talking about basically is the Holy Spirit being poured out, which had not been given yet because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And you know, the fruition or really the beginning of this prophetic declaration Jesus made, you know, and in fact, uh, Cade, what a great prophetic positive declaration he made uh, over the people peoples of the world when he did that at the close of the, the great feast, the feast of tabernacles, he just declared it. And we know that Jesus was glorified there in Acts chapter one, uh, when he was, uh, he had spent time as the resurrected Christ with the life with his disciples and imparted to them and, and, and shared vision and direction with them. And he said, don't, uh, you go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the father. Uh, and when you receive this promise, uh, uh when you receive the the power of the Holy Spirit poured out in your life. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so, as you know, they went and did that. In Acts chapter 1, they were praying and believing God for great things and dynamic things in their life. And Acts chapter 2, it says, and suddenly, and what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, and the church was born. This, this verse was, uh, uh, was, came to fruition. The river of God just didn't flow to them. It flowed what? Through them. And that's the key you and I need to understand about this verse and about the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Uh, and that's why, you know, we're, ta- we're talking about this important insight that we need to see, you know. And here it is. This is the reality about the river uh, uh, that you and I need to embrace. The release of the river within us is not simply to satisfy spiritual hunger. Pause. It does do that. Jesus said, if you're still thirsty, come to me and drink. It does bring a spiritual satisfaction and a contentedness. But understand something, that's not the sole purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's not just to satisfy our spiritual hunger flowing selfishly to us. But the purpose of the river of God is to influentially flow through us to a world in desperate need of a Savior. That's what God wants to do in your life. And could I tell you today, as we, as we think about this river, that the river that was released there in Acts chapter 2 and the river that Jesus prophesied about and that the 
prophet Joel prophesied about in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That same river is available to each and us, each, each and every one of us today. Amen. How many of you know the promise of Jesus when he got up and he said, if anyone is thirsty, you were not precluded from that or excluded from that. Amen. How many of you know he was talking to you that day? The Word of God is living and active. And so the river is available to all of us. And it's available to anyone. Everyone say anyone. Not just anyone, but anyone who thirsts. Not just anyone who thirsts, but anyone who thirsts and then comes to Jesus. Not anyone who thirsts and comes to Jesus, but those who thirst and come to Jesus and drink. And not just those who come to Je- uh, thirst and come to Jesus and drink, but those who uh, uh, wrap it all up in belief and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so the river is available. There is a river that God wants to birth in and through our life to make a huge impact in the world around us. And in fact, uh, this morning, we're going to talk in just a moment about the uh, living life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, it's kind of interesting when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, what did all the cynics and the critics and the mockers say? Well, these guys are just drunk. They're under the influence of new wine. How many of you know that's really true? But it wasn't wine they got from a bottle or a jug or a flask. It was the new wine of the Holy Spirit being poured out in their life. Last Sunday, we talked about one of the kind of prerequisites, if you will, to uh, living life under the influence. Uh, uh, We talked about sobering up a little bit. Everyone say sober up. I'm not just talking just about being, you know, uh, physiologically intoxicated. You know, Ephesians 5.18 says this. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with what? The Holy Spirit. And so last Sunday, we talked about the importance and the priority of, of sobering up, if you will, and, and getting, getting off, if you will, get, taking a break and getting a break from those things in this world that intoxicate us and keep us from really living life under the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. So I would encourage you, if you weren't here last Sunday, you can go online, uh, you can go to iTunes and look us up, uh, our website, www.cotrnorth.com. You can see the sermons, you can get the outlines. Yeah, there's even a link to iTunes if you want to download it. Uh, and so uh, opportunity to get that message and, and just really sober up a little bit. Everyone look around, somebody say, do you need to sober up? You need to sober up. Maybe so. And so this morning, now that we've gotten that far, let's talk about being under the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Now, next Sunday, we're going to conclude this series and talk about what what begins to be made manifest in your life. How many of you know when when even the cynics and the critics saw the first century church under the influence of the Holy Spirit, there was manifestation? Everyone say manifestation. There was manifestation in their life. And when you look through the book of Acts, you will discover that people who live life under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit, there was a manifestation. And so we're going to talk about that. One of the biggest ones, you want me to give you a little hint on the first one? How about influence in the world? Wow. When you get under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you've got influence in the world. And that's what we saw in Acts chapter 2. That day Peter gets up when the the mocker said, you're full of new wine. He said, no, no, that's what made him stand up. You know, how how many of you know when people say certain things, it just makes, sometimes you just got to stand up and say something. Am I the only one? 
that there are times when, when you hear things that you, you're kind of like Popeye. You've had all you can stand and you can't stand them no more. Well, Peter, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, y'all a bunch of drunkards. You've just been drinking new wine. You've been sipping back on Grandpa's old cough medicine. Y'all are just drunk. No, and, oh, and that's Peter. He said, oh, 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 let, let me stand up here today. And let me just tell you, we're not drunk as you suppose, but let me tell you, this is a fulfillment of the prophecy from Joel where it says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He starts preaching the unadulterated, full force, power pack, anointed word of God. And in that instant, in that moment, in that message, under that new anointing of the Holy Spirit, under the influence of the river of God in his life, 3,000 plus people were ushered into the kingdom of God. Woo! We're talking about influence. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five. We're talking about influence. Tell somebody. We're talking about influence in the world. Woo, man, I'm already preaching next Sunday, and I've not got this one down yet. But here we go. Let's talk about some things about what it means to be under the influence. These scriptures that we've been looking at, Acts chapter 2, I mentioned it to you just a few moments ago where Peter said, we're not drunk as you suppose, but we're filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Ephesians 5, 18, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14 and other passages talk about the, <coughs> pardon me, being led by the Spirit. How many of you know if you're led by the Spirit? In fact, I think Romans 8, 14, it says, as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. In other words, one of the evidence, one of the evidences of us being a child of God is being a recipient and a beneficiary of all that he has for us and being led and influenced and under the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, the disciples, when, when Jesus said he was leaving, they got nervous. And he said, well, don't get nervous because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the helper, and he's going to be with you and abide with you forever. And he's not going to leave you uh, uh, comfortless. He's, you're you're going you're gonna to be connected and relationally involved. And so uh, he, he wanted them to understand understand that, that, hey, I'm going to provide you an influential uh, force in the earth called the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and so with that in mind, what does it mean to be under the influence? Basically this, living life under the influence is living each and every day completely controlled and led by the Holy Spirit. Now that's a mouthful, is it not? Living life under the influence is living each day completely controlled and led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you know with, how many of you with me can raise your hand and say, well, I've got a little work to do. Amen. Now, just let's be honest. Look around you. How many of you know there's some people around you got a little work to do? Amen. Amen. A little work to do. They're living each and every day under the complete control of the Holy Spirit in our life. Let me tell you something today. That's not out of bounds with God's desire and design for your life. Amen. God desires and designs of his design for us and his plan for us is to live every day under the influence and the control of the Holy Spirit in our life. So let me give you some things today that you can kind of digest and, 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 and apply in your life to help you understand this process of becoming uh, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Number one, under the influence, you need to understand this. Living life under the influence of the Holy Spirit is a real partnership. This is not something you have to accomplish and, and, and acquire and, and adhere to uh, in and on, in and of yourself. It's a real partnership. In fact, I love 2 Corinthians chapter 13, the last verse. 
2 Corinthians 13, 14 says basically this. And it's, 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 like, a, it's like a final word from Paul to the Corinthian church. And I love what he says. He says this, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. How many of you know that's a great uh, tripod of influence in your life? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you appreciate the unmerited favor of Jesus? He said, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And may the love of God. How many of you appreciate God's love for your life? And then he says this, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That word communion, you can translate it. In fact, it is translated in different places in the New Testament as fellowship. Uh, another good, great word is partnership. And Paul is declaring over this church, who, by the way, if you remember, he's kind of helping them understand. If you go back in Corinthians, uh, he's trying to help them understand the influence of the Holy Spirit in their life and the gifts of the Spirit in their life and help them process. And he leaves them with his revelation truth about the Holy Spirit. This is a partnership that you need to understand, the fellowship. And, and don't undermine the partnership of of God in your life. Don't undermine the partnership of Jesus in your life. Don't undermine the communion and the partnership of the Holy Spirit. May that be with you always. Everyone say it's a partnership. It really is. In fact, this is one of my biggies when I minister to people and, and as a pastor, bring people into discipleship and growing more in Christ. And, uh, you know, everything that we have is a partnership with God. Amen. And we, we need to understand that we need to partner with God, partner with Jesus, and partner with the Holy Spirit to live a life under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, the Bible says concerning Father God that it says, we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will our heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask. So God gives us the Holy Spirit in our life. We've got to partner with God. And then John the Baptist comes along in the first part of Luke, I believe, and he says this about Jesus. He said, I baptize you with water under repentance. But there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to unlatch. Speaking of Jesus, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Amen. And then if we had time, we'd look in John 14 and John 16 where Jesus, when he promised the disciples the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit will guide us. The Holy Spirit will lead us, teach us, comfort us, help us. How many of you appreciate that being a partnership? But we've got to come alongside all this this quadrangle of partnership and say, hey, we want to do our part. We want to, hey, and in fact, what did Paul tell? He said, uh, told the Ephesians, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you've got to come. You've got to thirst. You've got to believe. So everyone say it's a partnership. See, walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit day by day is a real partnership. Now, let me give you a principle. Uh, we looked at this Wednesday night, and I got all fired up about it as I was sharing it. Philippians chapter 2. Turn over there, if you will. Philippians chapter 2. I want to show you the principle uh, of partnership. Everyone say partnership. In fact, it's just a page or so over. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13. This verse kind of 
kind of got me miscombobulated a little early on in my life. But as I began to study the scripture, I realized it didn't mean what I thought it meant. He said, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now, that kind of had me miscombobulated a little bit. Paul's telling me to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Kind of made me think, well, I know the Bible says I'm not saved by works. How many of you know you're not saved by works? You can't be good enough to get to God. Look and tell your neighbor and say, pardon me, you just can't be good enough to get to God. You just can't. All our righteousness is filthy rags. I knew that, and then I read this verse, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, what I began to understand is this word salvation doesn't really mean my born-again experience. It meant what's happened to me since I've been born again. And here's the illustration. Is there anybody here that works out? Got any people work out? Come on, Ryan, tell us. You've been pumping iron, I know. Shannon's been pumping iron. Trent pumps. In fact, Trent's got his own commercial. You, if you watch TV long, you'll see Trent on TV pumping iron, working out. Now, when Trent, Ryan, Shannon, whoever work out, are they working out to obtain a body? No, they already have a body. What are they doing? They're working that body out and making it stronger and becoming more fit day by day. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, let me tell you, when it comes to your spiritual life, guess what you've got to do? You've got to get to work on it. You've got to work on the salvation that God has provided for you. It's not something you just sit back and relax and, you know, sit soaking sour. You've got to work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. Everyone say fear and trembling. In other words, we've got to take this seriously. And if you want to live life under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you've got to get serious about not being drunk with wine, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. And allowing the river to begin to flow through you. Now, here's the second part. Here's where God says, he says, hey, you got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let me tell you something. It's not your mama's salvation. It's not your daddy's salvation. It's not the preacher's salvation. It's not Uncle John's salvation. It's not the events. It's your salvation. You and I are responsible for the work that God has begun in our life. And when we take that seriously, look what, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for what? His good pleasure. And here's the little mini revelation I got Wednesday night. How many of you here Wednesday night? Pastor Sam got a little giddy about it. Here's the revelation that, 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 that I just declared. I believe the more we work out, the more he'll work in. A lot of people are going, work in me, Lord, work in me, Lord. And we come to a certain level and we get frustrated. Why? It's because we're not working it out. Could I get a better amen? Am I the only one that fired up about that this morning? Everyone say it's a partnership. And so the more we work it out, and we'll talk about that, the more he'll work within us. And until we begin to work it out, he's not free to work it in. How many of you want God to work it in? We got to work it out. Amen. Everyone say it's a partnership. So living life under the influence of the Holy Spirit is a divine partnership that you and I must embrace. We can't just sit around, sit, soak, and sour. We've got to appropriate the word and the will of God and begin to say, hey, I've got to do my part. Living life under the influence is a partnership. Number two, this is the cool part. It's a, it's a relationship. You know, a lot of people are scared of God. 
in the wrong kind of way. A lot of people are scared of, you know, it's kind of interesting, my preconceived notion about most people. You think of Jesus, people go, oh, yeah, Jesus. He walks with me and talks with me. But then you think of God, ooh, a little nervous about God. As a Christian, we shouldn't be nervous about God. We should still honor him and fear him in a godly fashion. He's not the man upstairs. He is God Almighty. We should fear him. But let me tell you something. When you start talking about the Holy Spirit, and then when you change the term to King James, the Holy Ghost, a lot of people get really nervous. Talk about the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. He, just as Jesus is a he and God is a he, the Holy Spirit is a person. And that's why Paul the Apostle ended his book there in his letter to the Corinthians. Listen, you got to get the three down. The grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit with you always. Amen? It's a relationship we build. And how many of you know relationships take time? And they take effort and energy. Beverly and I, we've been married for 30 years now. And you know what? It takes effort and energy for us to build that relationship. And she went off on our Couples Connect weekend and confessed to everybody that we still argue from time to time. I don't know where she got that idea. She's living in the past. Why? We got to work it out. We're working it out. And it takes effort and energy. And that's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. That's why you see passages uh, in reference to the Holy Spirit that we've read and will read where it says, He'll abide with you forever. He'll dwell with you. He'll live with you. He'll feel your life. It is a relationship. Don't be scared of the Holy Spirit. Don't be fearful of God in a bad way. Don't be fearful of His influence. Some people, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, especially, Especially when you start reading Acts chapter 2 and you start seeing, they start seeing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Everybody go, oh, pastor, I don't know about that. Ooh, that kind of spooks me a little bit. Uh, uh, do I have to speak in tongues? No, you don't have to do anything if you don't want to. But see where that gets you in your relationship. Amen. How many of you guys, you don't have to tell your wife you love her, do you? You don't have to. You, you can say, well, I told you that once. That ought to be enough, shouldn't it? If anything changes, I'll let you know. How many of you know that doesn't work? It's a relationship that we build. And we begin to trust. And the Holy Spirit, don't be afraid of His influence in your life. We've got to have His influence in our life. We've got to have this, hey, no relationship, no impact in life. No communion. No, no quality of character. Come on now, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and all those other things. Are y'all with me tonight or today? Amen. Here we go. So, living life under the influence, it's a partnership. It's a relationship. Number three, this is a biggie. It is a mindset. Everyone say mindset. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says this. It says, uh, it, Those in the flesh, people who are living life under the flesh, set their mind. Everyone say set their mind. Set their mind on the things of the what? Flesh. But then he goes on to say, those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. In other words, if you're going to live your life under the influence of the Holy Spirit, being led by the spirit, 
You've got to have a mind shift. You've got to have a mindset toward living life under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. In other words, we've got to change the way we think about God and about his influence in our life. And we've got to dethrone those things, those things of the flesh. We talked about that uh, last week. And allow the Holy Spirit control and influence. In fact, that word set your mind, that word set means to set your affection upon. To be mentally disposed in a certain direction. How many of you understand the power of that? How many of you get mentally disposed concerning a thing? You get on at work, you know, I, I get busy doing things and, and I get mentally connected. I'm set. I got my mental set. I'm doing something. <coughs> Pardon me. And it's hard to get me off. That's what God says about the Holy Spirit. You've got to change the way you think. You can't think like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, and, and, and live under the mindset of the world and be led by the Spirit. Hello. Come on now. Well, I can't help it. Oh, yes, you can. You've got the Holy Spirit to help you uh, uh, control your brain. If your brain does not have control, the Holy Spirit can help us control what goes into our thoughts. And let me tell you something. Before you gave your life to Christ, sin had control of your brain. But once you give your life to Christ, hey, guess what? You can take charge. Somebody say, take charge. And you can begin to change the way you think. And you can begin to reprogram your stinking thinking. And you can say, you know what? I'm not going to think about that anymore. I'm going to think on what is good, holy, and acceptable, and righteous. And I'm going to begin to uh, uh, set my affections on things above, Paul said to the Colossians, and not on things of the earth. And let me tell you something, that's not the easiest thing on planet earth to do, but you and I better get a grip on it if we're going to live life under the influence. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, I set my affections on my relationship with you. And today, I yield, everyone say yield. I yield my mind. Romans 6 says, yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I yield my brains to the control and the influence of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, somebody told uh, someone once, oh, you Christians, you you charismatics especially, you're all brainwashed. Well, yeah. Yeah. We just chose who, chose who went to Washington on our brains. Could I get a better amen? Everybody go rub-a-dub-dub. Rub-a-dub-dub. I'm telling you, come on. Let's, let's, let's take charge. Tell somebody, take charge. It's time to take charge. Yield our, our, our minds and our thoughts to the influence and the control of the Holy Spirit. Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4, I think verse 23, he said this. Thank you, Jeremy. I've got some. You can set it down there. I just don't drink it when I'm talking much. Thank you. Uh, he said this. He said, hey, understand something. Ephesians four twenty-three. be renewed in the spirit of your minds. You see, some of us need to renew our brain. Did you know your brain was originally intended to just fellowship and flow in the spirit all the days? of your life but sin came in and polluted the process and we got stinking thinking now it's time to get a renewal and a restoration and a renovation of thought in our brains amen hallelujah living life under the influence it's a partnership it's a relationship it's a mindset and number four you got to get it by now it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle change 
I'm changing the way I live. I'm changing who's in charge of my life. I'm changing the way I think. For the rest of my life, come on now, for the rest of my days, for every day, not just uh, Sunday, not just Wednesday, not just this day or that day, but every day, I'm living life under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's why Paul in Ephesians 5, 18, when he said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That word, be filled with the Holy Spirit, the real reading there could read this, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, once you get it, you've got to keep on letting, the, letting it flow, amen? You can't leak it all out and not have the flow of God flowing through you, not just to you. It is a lifestyle. Tell somebody, living life under the influence is a lifestyle. Come on, it's a way of life. Tell somebody, it is a way of life. Jesus promised us in John 14, 16, he said, guess what? This helper that I send you, this Holy Spirit, he'll abide with you how long? Somebody say it. Somebody say it. Forever. I like those kind of relationships where it's forever. It's not just a light my fire once or twice. It is a lifelong living, fully blown, full blown, fired up relationship with the Spirit of God in my life. Forever. Amen. Galatians chapter 5, Paul said this. He said, we got to live in the Spirit. It's got to be our life. Amen. And then finally, I hinted to it just a few moments ago, but this is where we all live. Living life under the influence is also a battle. It is a battle. In fact, Galatians 5, 17, Paul said this, the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Have you ever experienced that? Paul the Apostle experienced it in Romans 7. He almost sounded a little schizophrenic if you read it in Romans 7. I'll give you my translation. He said, the things I want to do, I don't do it. I want to do it, but I don't do it. And I don't know why I do it, but God, I don't want to do it. But the things in me, they're fine. They're working against me. What I want to do, I can't do. What am I going to do? Oh, how am I going to get the victory? Then he finally says, thanks be to God. I know how I'm going to do it. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord. In other words, there is victory in this battle. But it is a battle. The flesh warreth against the spirit. Let me ask you, in this battle between the flesh and the spirit in your life, which one's going to win? Uh, Is this a trick question? Not really. Say it, Jim. Whichever one you feed the most, which one gets stronger? Did you know literally you can starve it right out? Your flesh, you can starve it right out. In fact, the Bible says, put it to death. How do how, how you want to do it? You can starve it out. You can just run it out. But let me tell you something. One of the best ways to win this battle is to not always be looking at that one-eyed monster called the flesh and going, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. A lot of people do that. They get, get all frothed up about the flesh. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord, and it just gets worse. The best way to do it is just start feeding your spirit man. Putting your mind on things above. Start walking, talking, living, breathing, exercising, working it out. Somebody say, work it out. 
Working it out. And when you start working it out, God will start working it in on you. And you'll begin to realize, whoa, look out now. This thing that I thought had me doesn't have me anymore. This thing that I thought enslaved me does not enslave me anymore. I'm not bound to the things of this world. I'm not bound to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I'm bound and and beholden to the influence of the Holy Spirit moving through my life day by day. If we work it out, he'll work it in. And listen carefully to me today because this is why we do what we do. The more we work it out, the more he works it in, and the more influential and impacting we become in the world. If your life, listen, lacks spiritual impact, it's probably because you're not living life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I want to say it again. I'll put me in there. If, we're, if our life that we are presently living is not impacting the people around us like Jesus said it should, then more than likely we are not living life under the constant control and influence of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, You'll receive power, supernatural power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, living life under the control of the Holy Spirit is much more than an altar service or a revival service. Woo! You know, some of our young men and young women have just recently experienced an Acts chapter 2 experience in their life where they received the power of the Holy Spirit, were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they began to have the evidence of the gifts of the Spirit in their life. But you know what they're now learning? They've got to walk it out. You've got to work it out, don't you, Ross? Day by day. Day by day, live a life that is under the influence and the control of the Holy Spirit. And next Sunday morning, we're going to look at what happens when. Everyone say, what happens when? Whew, things happen. When God's people begin to yield themselves to the river of the Holy Spirit flowing through their life. You don't want to miss next Sunday it'll help you appropriate and get a vision of what God not only wants to do to you but through you amen let's stand together thank you Jesus